I want to speak to you briefly this evening um, about um, decisions. Come on. How many of you love to make decisions? I don't think there's anybody in here that loves to make decisions. People come to me a lot, you know, and, and, and listen, I love being a leader, but leaders get to do what? They make a lot of decisions, right? One thing that I try to do, um, my grandpa, you guys remember bag phones in the cars? It was like a full-size phone, right? It's not like the things we got now. Um, My grandpa had a bag phone in his car, and I remember every time he was in, he he just drives a white truck, and he drove it for work, and every time he's in that truck, man, he is on the phone, and it wasn't like young people, it wasn't like you could grab your cell phone and be like, hey, I'm on, I'm on call, it wasn't like you could put it on speaker, come on, they didn't have Bluetooth, it had a full cord, y'all, all right, it was a corded phone in the car, and, uh, <clears throat> but I remember Something he would do, and I tried to do. And so if you ever get a call from Pastor JB, and he's like, hey, what do you think about this? Listen, I'm not just being indecisive. I'm trying to bounce things off of you. Because everybody has different experiences, amen, in their life. Everybody has different experiences. And so you're going to see something a different way than I do. And I might not think of something. And so what I like to do, when I'm getting ready to make a decision, I like to call a lot of people, and I like to get a lot of wisdom from a lot of people to help me make a decision. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk tonight about some decision making, and uh, we're kind of I told you I was kind of gonna kind of do a loose series uh, when I preach on Ele- on Elevate Sunday nights uh, called Pre Decide, and what that means is you're gonna make a decision before you make a decision. Come on. You're going to make a decision to not do or to do something before you get there. It's kind of like, like, think about this. What is a red light? Who's, uh, uh, is anybody, any young people, are, are you guys, how old are you, Mackenzie? Are you 16? 16? All right, so one day, Mackenzie is going to, have you done any driver's ed or anything? No? Yes? You've drove? Wait, don't tell anything illegal. All right. It ain't that kind of church. Listen, so when you get out there driving, they got these things called red lights, okay? You stop at those, all right? And, uh, hey, Brittany's not in here. I'll tell a funny story. Uh, so, but you, you don't get in your car and look at a red light and say, wait, I, should I stop at that? You've already decided that you're going to stop at red things, okay? If it's red and it's got a bunch of different sides, you stop at that thing. If you don't, somebody will blast you. They'll blow you away. So you stop at red lights. If you drive by the RoboCop on Church Street, come on, by a show of hands. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Listen, if you drive by the RoboCop on Church Street, you better decide to drive about four miles an hour. In fact, just get out of your vehicle and push because that thing is hungry. My Hey, girl. What's, what's up? I like your baby. I'm going to tell it anyway. Look, y'all, she got two tickets the other day. She got one coming and going. There were warnings. There were warnings. It's not. It's the. Ah. 
All right, who wants to dismiss in prayer? Uh, listen, it's going to go to the person. It's going to go to the person that the vehicle's registered to. And I will tell you this: I don't know how long it's only going to send out warnings, but there is coming a day. All right where it's going to send you an actual Walmart money taking ticket. So anyway, but we went way off on something there. But the thing I'm saying is you decide, before you get in a car, you decide already, I'm going to abide by the stop signs, and I'm going to stop at the red lights and that kind of thing. And so why can't we pre-decide for other things in our lives? Come on. So let's look at something. Um, The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. Is that a hard truth, family? Is that a hard truth? Listen, you could decide to, and I'm not picking on anybody. Maybe, maybe this, this could be you. Listen, before I say this, I didn't finish high school. Uh, my mom used to call me a, a, a middle school, what'd you call me, like a middle school dropout? Because like, I had some problems, y'all. Thank Jesus. Come on. He, uh, he, he could, Jesus can fix a lot of things, y'all. But listen, I, I went and got my GED, okay? But like you could, you could decide to drop out of high school. That decision is going to affect you. It is going to affect you because, uh, in fact, we've had people come to the daycare and talk to my wife and say, hey, Brittany, uh, can I get a job? And then she's asked them for their high school diploma or their GED, and they say, oh, I dropped out. We can't hire you. And so a decision like that, you could make it quick. Like, hey, I'm through with this. I am done with algebra because it's of the devil. And you could drop out right then, okay? But that decision is going to last Come on, a decision to drink too much and get in a vehicle is going to last. The quality of your decisions affects the quality of your life. Come on. Come on, and that's something heavy. Parents, you better teach your kids that. Grandparents, you better remind your grandkids about that. The quality of the decisions you make affects the quality of your life. When our values are clear, our decisions are easier. Something that I want you to get in your brain. Maybe you can do this in the mirror every morning. Maybe you can say these things about yourself. I believe in that. Like taking a good look at yourself and coming to an agreement with yourself. Like, hey, we got this. We're going to make it. Take yourself seriously. Listen. You could say things like, I'm ready, I'm consistent, I'm devoted, I'm generous, I'm faithful, I am a finisher. Piper and I, we have kind of a ritual every morning when we're on the way to school. I hold my hand out. Usually she rides shotgun because we live just right around the block from the school. Usually I hold my hand out. Sometimes she's not in a good mood because I passed on some jeans that are not good morning jeans. All right? People usually, they say, hey, good morning. And I say, morning. I don't say good, I just say morning. Um, and I hold my hand out, and she takes my hand. And I say, what do we do? She says, we do our best. Win! Every time. I say, what if we mess up? She says, we try again and adjust. So you can say things like that. You can declare things like that over yourself. Um, when our values are clear, decisions are easier. So pre-decision, pre-deciding looks like this. Have that conversation with yourself. When I'm faced with blank, I have pre-decided to take this action. When I'm faced with 
this situation, an argument with my spouse. I have decided to walk away, or maybe not walk away, but not have pride and dig in my heels and fight. When I'm faced with an issue at the restaurant, let me get on soapbox. Christians, we talked about this in Sunday school. Like, our, I'm really excited about this. We're going through a book uh, about conflict at our Grow You class, and I'm really excited about it. And we talked about representing Jesus in conflict. You need to decide before you get in the conflict that you're going to represent Christ. Come on. So let's do this again. When faced with conflict, any conflict, I have decided already, I have predecided to represent Jesus well. Christians go to restaurants and throw fits a lot. Uh, and don't do that. Represent Christ. Um, Listen, we're going to talk about temptation a little bit tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Matthew 26 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I like to say this. I, I, I used to be a youth pastor. Can I be real with you all for a minute? I used to be a youth pastor and... Uh, uh, you know, Brittany and I spent eight years youth and children's pastors. Awesome time. I tell people that when we went to, uh, when we moved from children's ministry into adult ministry, and I'm kind of, you know, doing men's ministry, it's a really easy transition because you go from children's to men, same maturity level. Very easy. Only difference, you just got to feed one group more, okay? But look, I used to tell my teenagers, I would say, you better not get yourself in a situation. You better decide that I'm not going to go somewhere alone with my girlfriend or boyfriend. And I would tell him this because I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care if he pays his tithe. I don't care if he's an evangelist. You put yourself in a bad situation, in a dangerous situation, you're not going to be strong enough to make it through. Listen, I believe in being full of the Holy Spirit and believe, and I believe in, in people being strong enough through that kind of empowerment to be able to shrug temptation. But if you just keep sitting in it, come on. If you just keep sitting there looking temptation in the face and saying, I probably can do this. I'm probably strong enough. You're gonna mess up. So number one, the devil is coming for you. Yikes. You know, we talked to, um, we were talking over lunch to uh, Pastor Cody, and uh, you guys be in prayer for Cody and Megan. Uh, they are going back to Kenya um, at the end of the month, and so be in prayer for them. He said that they have a, and we talked to him because he, you know, he kind of made a joke about us taking a team, and I said, Cody, we, we want to do that. He said, well, I think it'd be great, but it'll be a while because they have a presidential election coming up. And the past, the 2020 election in America was pretty dramatic, right? Some of you guys might remember. Yeah, some of you guys might remember. I mean, it was like people dressed up as buffaloes going in the Capitol. But, like, elections there are dangerous. There are te there's terrorism. There's bombings. People get killed. So be in prayer for them. Uh, as they're going back into that place and they're ministering uh, the gospel, but we were talking to um, we were talking to them today, and, and I said, you know, 
we laid down kind of the gauntlet for BGMC and Speed Delight, and we said, hey, we want to uh, break our all-time giving record for both. We want to give over $5,000 to Speed Delight this year and over $5,000 to BGMC this year. And I, church family, I believe we can do it. I absolutely believe we can do it. But we got to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Amen? Come on, we got to get out there and do stuff and come up with uh, – uh, creative ways to um, raise funds for missions. But anyway, we laid down that gauntlet, and we said, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do our absolute best. And we talked about dreams. You know, we spent all January talking about dreams. Hey, we got these big dreams for the church. We got big dreams for the community. And what happens? We get hit with this huge water bill, and then we get hit by this fire. We get hit with a $2,500 deductible we have to pay. A lot of people would have freaked out over that. And internally, I wanted to. But I remembered, wait, I know what's going on here. This is Satan trying to shut this this group of believers down. Because he sees the momentum in this house. And he sees the good things that God's doing. And he knows that there are people that are going to come here and be healed. He knows that there are people that are going to come into this house and come to know Jesus. He knows that there are people that are going to come here and give and, and, and shrug drug addictions. That families will be restored through the ministries of this church and through the people that love him that, that go to this church. Satan knows that. And so what is he going to do? Family, he's going to fight. And I thought about that. And so you better realize that there is an enemy out there that wants to take you down, that wants to shut you up. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, I wrote to you and explains uh, that so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So you know what he's up to. And what do I say do? You call it out. You say, hey, I know what you're trying to do, but I'm going to stand on a firm foundation. I'm going to stand on the truth that is Christ. But the second thing is you're not as strong. You may not be as strong as you think. And so I don't think that you need to just walk into a room and say, well, I'm just going to go deal with this problem. I think you better get prayed up. And I've told this story before, but there's a group of believers that run a motorcycle ministry. Um, it's out of Houston. And um, this group of believers was in, uh, in Bossier, and uh, they walked into a situation, and uh, there were two rival motorcycle clubs that were, were not Christians, or if they were, I don't know what church they go to. And uh, they got really upset with each other. And so these Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians got in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, uh, they said, hey, let's defuse, let's defuse. And both of the rival gangs turned their guns on them. And, whoa, hey, do you have time for a prayer meeting right then? Like, hey, I know you guys are about to kill us, but can, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray for a minute if you can hold off on, on shooting us. Come on, family. You better be prayed up. You better be ready. Listen, Paul also says in Corinthians, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Don't get arrogant and think, hey, man, I've been to church a bunch, so the devil can't, like, touch me, okay? Like, I went to kids' camp three times, so I've, I've got this. We don't need... 
to put ourselves in situations. If you struggle with something, you better be careful. If you struggle with an addiction, you don't need to be dancing around the corners of that thing. You need to cover it with prayer, and you need to have somebody you're accountable to that you can go to and say, hey, that you trust. Don't just trust anybody. People will backstab you. Sorry, it's truth. That you can come to and say, hey, I was really struggling yesterday, and I barely made it through. So they can pray with you, and so they can stand with you. So three keys to fighting temptation. Number one, move the line. Psalm 16 says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So we set a line. I'm not going to do this. If I realize that I'm approaching the edge, there's a video on YouTube, and it's got millions of views, and I can't help, but every time, if you, if you get on YouTube very much, you know that it throws up um, suggested videos, and there's this video of these two guys in a boat, and if you get two guys in a boat, you already know that trouble's going to happen, and these two guys are just in this old John boat, and they're going under a bridge, and the guy in the front of the boat can see a little better than the guy in the back of the boat, and he says, he looks, and he, he thinks the water goes down, and some of y'all have probably seen this video, it's hilarious, and so he says there's like a spillway under the bridge, and he's looking, and he has this, this look of pure horror on his face, and he says, it goes down. It goes down, and they're getting closer and closer to it, Brother Downton. He says, it goes down, and the guy in the back of the boat, he's just, he said, it doesn't go down, and he says, it, it does go down, and then they, they hit the thing, and I don't know if they go off the edge because the camera, the camera cuts off. It's hilarious, but here's the thing. If you get close to the edge, you you better pay attention. You better pay attention. One time, some of y'all might remember this, my pastor was preaching. He was preaching hard. This is why sometimes I come, I, I, I stop right here because I get scared because I have flashbacks. My pastor was preaching hard, Austin, and he was over here, but he was looking that way, and y'all, he walked right off the edge of this thing. Y'all, when you get close to the edge, when you get close to a line, pay attention to that, Okay? And maybe you need to move that line back. Maybe you say, um, you know, if, if a guy is struggling with a lustful heart, and as soon as he sees a woman that is very visually appealing, he immediately goes into struggle mode. Maybe it's time to move the line back and delete some apps off his phone. You know, I know guys that couldn't even get on Instagram <clears throat> because there were so many pictures on there. And it was so easy for them to fall into temptation. So what do they do? Get rid of it. Move that line back. That's when you have too much pride, you won't do that. And you fall in. The second thing, magnify the cost. What if the worst case scenario comes true? Numbers 32 says, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may... and. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Ouch. That is a heavy warning, family. Is it not? That is a heavy warning. One of the, um, let, me, let me speak on this point a little bit, and I'm going to share something that broke my heart. Um, what if, you know, what if it's, I've got a couple of pills I take, but nobody knows. 
It's fine. But what if you take too many of those pills? Magnify that. What if the worst case thing happens? You say, well, it's just a couple of sips before I get in the vehicle, before I get behind the wheel. What can happen? I think we, we, we really set ourselves, up, or set ourselves up for failure by not thinking about the cost of our actions, of our decisions. Um, I knew a pastor, and maybe some of you may have known this pastor as well, and he was a mentor to me. And uh, when I was in an internship program, he pastored me, and I spent a lot of time with him. And I valued that time because he was really wise. He was one of those, like, biblical encyclopedias that I will probably never be. And I could go in his office and just sit down, and it was comfortable and just felt, you know, like this guy really knows what he's talking about. And he would go in, he would walk into a room, and everyone would just immediately basically give him the floor because they knew he had so much wisdom. And he just, as far as a pastor, he just did it right. Well, one day I was at work, and my phone started blowing up. And I looked down, and it was my boss. And I was like, man, forget him. So I didn't answer. So I didn't want to talk to him. And so I didn't answer. Well, he started texting me. And he says, go to KTBS's page now. And I went, and I looked, and I saw this man that, was, that I really looked up to that was kind of a spiritual father figure to me for a time of my life. I saw him there in stripes where he had been arrested. Family, that shook me. That shook me. And people left the faith because of that, because they had placed so much hope in this man. And I pray that that he has come back to a good relationship with Jesus, but his life will never be the same. I'm sure that he'll be able to minister in some capacity, some way, sometime. But his life will never be the same. We need to think about that. When we, get, when we get ready to do something that's hidden, when we get ready to do something that we think, well, nobody gets hurt, I can handle this, I've got control, we need to think about what the cost could be. Come on, that's heavy. The third thing for temptation, fighting temptation, plan your escape. Genesis 39 says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. That meant he was built for tough, y'all. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. What if Joseph had said, you know what? I've been through a bunch of junk in my life. I deserve something fun. What would have happened? What would, what would have happened if Joseph would have used disappointment to justify disobedience? Come on, guys, being real quiet tonight. It's freaking me out. What if we, have you ever done that in your life? Where you've, been, you've had disappointment, maybe in the past, and so you said, you know what, I went through some junk, so I'm going to do some junk. Well, I went through something that really just wasn't, was bad. And so I'm going to do some bad. How many of us know people that have made bad decisions because someone else made a bad decision that affected them? I want to tell you something right now. If you cling to Jesus, you can break that cycle. 
Come on, I need a better amen on that. If you cling to the word of Christ and if you cling to that truth, you can break that cycle. One thing that I wake up every single morning planning to do is do my absolute best to break a generational cycle that has plagued my family. I'm not going to be laid down to rest with my kids not loving each other. Mark my words. I will go to my grave fighting for that, that my kids as adults love each other. But in my family, some of my family, y'all know a lot of my mother's, my mother's side, but on my dad's side, there's a lot of family that doesn't love each other. And it breaks my heart to think about that. And so I make it my mission to not let disappointment, things that I went through, foster disobedience and me not leading my children to love Jesus with all their hearts. So what happens? What happens? Joseph could have easily said, I, he could have went with that, but he didn't. He didn't. It says, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Listen, when you begin to be faced and you begin to struggle, family, I want you to run from it. I want you to flee from that situation. I'm not telling you to be a coward. I'm not telling you to back down from any demon or, any, or anything that, that Satan throws your way. What I am telling you is not to be prideful and think, I can just handle it. 1 Corinthians 10 says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I want to challenge you as I, as I close tonight. Begin to eliminate temptations that you face in your life. Maybe it's you are tempted to lose control of your tongue. Hopefully it's not any of y'all, but that's probably one of the most common things because we all Southern, right? And we will give you a piece of our mind. What do they call it, Louisiana, Lanyap? We will give you a little extra, okay? Bless your heart and pass the ammo. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but maybe you're tempted to give somebody a tongue lashing. Come on, I'm talking to some of y'all tonight. I love you, but you got to stop because you're not representing Jesus. So what do we do, family? What do we do? Band, I don't want you guys to come up. I want you to stay in your seats because I want us all to just pray together. What if we ask the Redeemer to work in our hearts to start eliminating those temptations right now? Instead of just saying, hey, God, I believe in you and you're going to be there when I get tempted next time. What if we ask right now that he begin to heal hearts? What if we ask that right now he begin to mend? Because some of us do things. Again, we foster, we use disappointment to foster disobedience. What if we just ask for someone to be healed? Can we do that? 
for just a minute, I want to do something. If you would stand with me. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us some things. Maybe we've been faced with temptation and we haven't prayed for those things to be healed, for hearts to be mended. God, I just pray right now that you begin to reveal to us. I pray.